Hi, this is Alex again with the Vehicle Bros podcast, recording uh, episode 17 of season 3. Nick is with us. Hello. How are you? Doing pretty well. Just uh, enjoying a sunny Saturday. Yeah, we were planning to go out and visit uh, Trevor. He says he made some fruit. uh, What is it? Little, it's like a pie. Little pie, little thing. Yeah, it's got a fruit tart. Mm-hmm. Fruit tart. How big is it? Uh, it's only nine inches or something. Wow, that's exciting. I love fruit tarts. <laughs> yeah, so I'm done with the work week, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, you got your day off tomorrow. Like, you didn't have to work very long today, either. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, got some in and out, so uh, happy. I was so close to getting it yesterday, but I just didn't have time because the line was so long. I mean, is the line, like, not go fast? Because when I went it, the line was kind of kind of long. It's, like, starting to, like, uh, overflow out of the area but like went pretty quick like maybe like 10 minutes I mean it, honestly it probably would have gone pretty quickly I just was like eh. like I, I did kind of want to I, I had something to do and I was like well I could spend 15 or 20 minutes doing this or just get on the road again so probably my own excuse but maybe I'll get some pizza or something today instead There, that could be my treat Slice food. yeah I bought a game I uh, haven't played yet, but it's called Returnal. It's a PS5 game with, uh, I guess, a game that was um, in collaboration with the Sony Studios because they like worked with this company, this development studio, and they're like helping. They helped him do it. They like funded it, and they gave him all like creative, like freedom basically do how they wanted it and then they just like yeah go for it and then yeah they uh, released it a couple of days ago and it has an 87 from Metacritic so I guess it's done something right yeah I've been hearing a couple of people talk about it so it seems to have some buzz yeah so I'll probably check it out today is it designed specifically for PS5 yeah it's going to have all those special triggers and stuff, sensitivity. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never played it. So, I mean, I would hope it would use the PS5 things that makes it different. That's what I've mm-hmm. heard is that they did a good job with the like the force triggers and all that to like make it uh, take advantage of the console's trigger, build, uh, like the new controller. Yeah. Now, what type of game is it? It's like a third person, they call the genre ro- rogue light. It's kind of like, um, people call it like a mix between like uh, Hades or like, um, what's the other game that's been mentioned? It's kind of like, anyways, you go through, it's 
I don't know. It's like it just depends on what, how you package it, I guess. Like if you if it sounds like emo, it sounds one way. But if it sounds like metal and it's still sad, is it like it's not emo? It's just sad. <laughs> no, I, what I mean is like the lyrical choice. Like sometimes they're like, "Oh, uh, my life sucks. I cry myself to sleep," or something. Like like I don't do that, but like maybe it does suck. But I, obviously, I don't want it to be like that. So like, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that uh, Microsoft finally, like, put in uh, a new, uh, they changed their fee to be lower, like, Apple is only 12%, so that's pretty um, attractive for any new developers to put on to the Microsoft Store. Sounds like Microsoft's getting serious about <laughs> gaming. Hmm. Is is this for Xbox or for like Windows? Yeah, no, it wasn't Apple. So it was uh, Steam's, I think. Or yeah, I think it was Steam. But anyways, it it makes it so uh, it's more attractive because any fees that before it's thirty percent. That's a really high like number. Like thirty thirty percent of like any profit you got is that's a huge amount. I think it's Xbox. Yeah, any. Xbox games. Yeah, I think everything. It, it's interesting how things change. Like originally, before there were all these digital content stores, thirty seemed was normal or seemed like a good deal. And then as time goes on, you know, expectations change. I guess. I remember when, uh, like, when iTunes started selling music, or when the apps, Apple App Store started. Like, was that two thousand eight? Um, when they announced it, people were like applauding. Like it was a, it was a great. Oh wow, we can get seventy percent of this. And now it's sort of. In this last year, this last six months, it's really become a big point of conversation among uh, sort of like the tech journalists and then politically as well. Um, there's like, you know, they're having hearings about these antitrust things. And a lot of it stems from how much, you know, the, the cut that people like Apple take. And it's just inter- interesting to see how public opinion or whatever would evolve on that, going from, okay, yeah, this is fine, to being, wow, everybody's, you know, that's way too much or this is not enough or... Um, I feel like there's been a lot more talk about it, especially in these last few months or year, mostly just because of the the hearings and stuff with Apple. But I know like Google's been the news for it, and Apple, and I guess now Microsoft a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think thirty percent would be fine, but some of the hosting of the market, they use it kind of a there's some of these companies have found advantages that uh, the host uh, uses uh, over them and it's it's kind of messing with these app developers businesses and it's not really sustainable for them it's hard for them to be uh, competitive I just I don't know I I don't I can't claim to be a scholar when it comes to this or even an expert but I do think that at the very least like to start with the company should be fair to everybody about it I know that there's been a couple of cases uh, with Apple and probably with other companies where not everybody gets the same treatment you know whether you're a small developer uh, or a medium-sized team or maybe a huge corporation that has an app 
you know, I think they should start with trying to even the playing field and say, okay, if it's 3%, everybody pays that. If it's 15, everybody pays that. Or if it's after a certain threshold, it applies to everyone. Because, you know, everybody knows there's probably a couple big companies who have influence over these stores. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Apple will make rules for everybody. And then, okay, if you're Netflix, you get a slightly different rule because you're so big. So it's like, I think it would be nice (laughs) if they could all start with just you know and for the most part the rules do apply equally but every you know you can there are a couple exceptions and I, I bet they're there with probably every store i was hearing that um i guess it's not really related to that completely but it's kind of similar that right now i think it's roku is having an issue with google did you hear about that about youtube again yeah about youtube tv yeah i get like they came out saying that google had demanded like a whole bunch of uh, over-the-top things. Basically, they said, like, they're not going to have the YouTube app because Google wanted to have, like, user data and a bunch of sort of, like, relatively private information or just more information about the users than Roku wanted to give up. And they said no. And then after that, Google, Google came out saying, no, we just asked for, like, you know, supporting a certain video codec and everything else that they said it was a lie. And so now it's just like, okay, well, these two big companies are pointing the finger at each other. And the only way for something, you know, one of them is right. One of them lied, right? Because they can't, it cannot be that both of them are correct. So yeah, these kind of things happen. And then we're just kind of here waiting because we we have no idea what's going on in this company. So just then we hear the news filtered down and it's like, it's not making either of them look very good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I know Google also decided the one thing take off um, something. It was a YouTube. No, it was a Google Play movies and video off like every single um, smart TV and phone, uh, unless you have like a certain TV. But I, I, I mean, it's not at all related to any of this but I mean I don't know it's just interesting mm-hmm. one thing I finally did yesterday is that I finally transferred my ETH from Uphold Uphold is like a, not a commodities but maybe like a currency exchange place you could switch your money between all sorts of um, cryptocurrencies and you could even get some metals and yeah Hmm. and all sorts of countries currencies so you could try to exchange and get money that way but it's coordinating with all those different currencies and um, blockchains doesn't truly make the money or ETH mine. So I tried to transfer the money like a month ago, but for some reason it didn't work. Um, I think it's because that, uh, what is it called? The cooldown period, you call it, Trevor? <laughs> the 15-day cooldown period? Yeah, cooldown, yeah. It, uh yeah, the 15-day cooldown period was still going on, so I transferred uh, my ETH to a full custody wallet. And yeah, so I am finally own my uh, 
if I have a topic today that will uh, it's partially we'll talk about owning my currency and owning my identity and stuff later on but yeah that's an update on that <laughs> so how would you had have had your ethereum before if you hadn't owned it in complete Well, uh, with Uphold, it, it's basically a bank. They do whatever they want in the back end. So they say, yeah, they owe, it's, you know how banks are. It's like, oh, I owe you. They go, I owe you this much ETH. You bought it. You you can withdraw it, but it's kind of like on my terms. It's less... Uh, um, It's less customer focused than normal banks <laughs> because they have less loot users and stuff, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I finally uh well I don't I don't own it yet, but I got got an IOU for a green IMAX from Apple, so my wallet does <laughs> transferred money also. <laughs> Just empty my account, Apple, take it all. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I decided. That'll be to, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like the color saturation in the back and the light green in the front. It's pretty nice. But um, I decided to get the fourteen ninety nine version because I wanted the extra ports in case I ever do need them. And then they also include the Ethernet um, port on the uh, what is it? The charging cable or the power supply right it's like connected there yeah the ethernet's on the power brick and then it just the one cord goes into the back of the computer yeah so yeah, I think it's worth it yeah, also the um, keyboard has its Apple ID you're gonna have to try that out and see if it's uh, as cool as everyone it says on the iPhone you know yeah I thought it was weird how they didn't have face ID on iMac <laughs> that would have been super nice yeah it would have made some sense. I wonder if they're going to put it on the higher-end one and just call it, like, higher-end feature. Because um, that's kind of what they do on some of their other stuff. Like, the, the cheapest devices have Touch ID still. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that hopefully they add it. Because Face ID is super convenient. I mean, even after using Touch, it just, it'd be nice to just, like, you know, wake up your computer and it just opens because it can see you. Yeah, then you don't even have to press any buttons. You can just look at it and... <laughs> opens up for you. <laughs> I suppose that's a first world problem, kind of, though, because you could also just move your finger like a few inches and you're logged in. So. I mean, you're bound to use a keyboard eventually. So. <laughs> that's just one thing I've noticed recently with the uh, iOS update that came out. They finally have uh, unlock. You can unlock your phone by using your watch, like automatically, when you're wearing a mask. And I, I pretty much, until I started using like touch or face ID. I never kept a passcode on my phone because I, I hate typing passcodes because it's just like, no, get me into my phone as fast as you can. I don't want to deal with this. Um, but after touch ID and face ID, I just leave those on and it's fast enough. But with a mask on, it's like infuriating because you have to, you know, you open your phone. Okay, now I have to put my passcode in. Just like, I don't know. I personally hate that. So now it's really cool that it just unlocks. It just can, you know, your watch pings and then it's like it un- unlocks for you really fast. 
So I'm, I'm super here for that. It's like the coolest feature I've, that Apple's added in like a, a super long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it also works with Macs and stuff too, which is cool. Often I can just be wearing my watch and like I'll open my Mac and it'll unlock. So I like when they keep like integrating <laughs> those things together. You just got to have all the pieces. Um, yeah, I don't know if I need uh, all the uh, Millennium puzzles, you know. The spirit of Steve Jobs takes over. Oh, I over. forgot to ask uh, <laughs> uh, Trevor, do you think you're going to move before the time you get your iMac? No, it should be here uh, May 21st to 27th or somewhere along there. I got it in the first yeah, shipping like a, batch, three weeks so, in the May. Yeah, it shouldn't be before I move, so I should get it before I uh, am done with this place. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. You haven't had a desktop, like a, a kind of a modern working nice desktop in either ever or in a long time, right? <laughs> the last uh, desktop I had was that Emac. So. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't exactly state of the art when it came out. Yeah, when, when, you, when you got it, it out for me, you know, PowerPC is going off, trolling. Yeah, PowerPC in like 2008 or 9 or 10. But yeah, so it'll be, I guess, I mean, obviously you've used desktops before, but it'll probably be kind of cool just because you pretty much mostly use your phone and like a laptop or something, right? So you'll have that bigger screen to troll on. Yeah. Thinking about in the future using it to stream games, say, every, like, I probably. I want to like stream uh, when the new Pokemon game comes out. That when maybe some of the games be fun. Yeah, well, it'll be a good machine. It'll be fast. So it'll be interesting to see what you think about it. I mean, you know, it's like you've used Macs before and all this other stuff, but you just haven't had, you haven't owned one, and you haven't owned a desktop. So kind of a new thing. Yeah, I've I remember back in the day when my parents had their computer, and that probably at the time was probably stay at the arc because <laughs> it was like the the you could play games on it I could play like Final Fantasy 7 on it so it was like pretty fast if it, it could play like PlayStation games so I, <laughs> I bet you this is going to be blow, way out of the, blow that out of the water so <laughs> well yeah I mean just even though the, it's just the basic M1 it's like I think about by single core is the fastest Mac processors that I've ever had, and by multi, it's one of the fastest. So it'll still, I think it'll be fine for whatever you use it for. Yeah. I totally woke up at like <laughs> the same time, you know, like five o'clock, and I was, I just, I don't know, I was waffling between nodes. I kind of, I really want to replace my iPad, and I was like, fuck, I kind of want a new iMac, and I. And it was a new Apple thing, and I always buy new Apple things. And I got really close. I, I had something in my cart, and I was, like, about to buy it. And then I just, like, I talked myself down. Couldn't do it. <laughs> just because I want to save my money. Because I, I, I know what I truly want is, like, a bigger. I want, like, a 30-inch iMac. With, I need more RAM. Um, because if I'm going to spend a couple thousand bucks, I want more than 16 gigs of RAM. Um, so we'll see. You know, maybe maybe next time, once they announce the bigger Macs, uh, then you guys can you know, laugh at me for having set my wallet on fire for real. Yeah, I was kind of uh, surprised. Yeah, I already have a M1 device, so I don't know why you need a second one. <laughs> what? You already have a M1 device, so I don't know why you need a second one. Yeah, well, mostly just because I, I miss using my desktop, and I have it in front of me here, and I did, I did work on it today, but it's just old, and 
I want I want a nice new desktop, but I still, you know, finally am just being strong and waiting, <laughs> resisting the pull. The um, yeah, I was I was like uh, kind of late to work, so I was like trying to um, buy a Reddit six, and it's like slight like four or five minute delay. I'm like, what is what is happening, Apple? Come on. So I mean, I'm surprised yeah, I also because they didn't completely. I guess not an iPhone, but it didn't completely sell out. Or like this first shipment batch didn't sell out until probably way late in the day. Yeah, I wonder if that's because they have so many models that it's not. You know, with an iPhone, there's like there's fewer. Well, I don't know the colors. Obviously, iPhone has a bigger demand, but there's so many iMacs. It's like there's certain ones that you can get faster, and certain ones are now they're pushed back into June. So I bet you like blue and green and silver are probably the most popular. Yeah. But I did see, like I said last night, the uh, the red-pink one. That was still available for launch delivery, and I was mm. like, oh, hmm. I mean, <laughs> you do like your red uh, desktop, so. I know. I like red. Anything in red, give it to me. But the front is <laughs> just kind of that, like, it looks a little too cotton candy for me. Like, I wanted something a little more bold, so we'll see. I'm just, hoping, just waiting and hoping for bigger desktops, either a Mac Pro or an iMac Pro or something. Yeah, I have a a short uh, automated vehicle news update. Um, Toyota has a subsidiary called Woven Planet. Uh, I haven't, I didn't do much research about it, <laughs> but uh, Toyota has bought or they announced the deal with the Lyft. They're going to buy the self-driving car division of Lyft for about $55 million. They're going to pay it in five years and with a $200 million down payment. But, uh, yeah. Toyota is getting a 300 strong level 5 engineers <laughs> level 5 autonomous <laughs> engineers <laughs> Wait, that's level 5 already? dang yeah <laughs> I wonder what level engineer I am <laughs> I'm probably level 1 but yeah level 5 <laughs> engineers um, Woven Planet actually is working on a project called uh, Woven City it Toyota's uh, like super smart city. It's gonna have like automated transportation and um, yeah, I think that Woven City might be a key part of their vision, maybe because they're talking about their they have goals beyond the automotive industry, automotive industry. Um, yeah, that was a, that's a simple um, update. Lyft has been saying that uh, they've been tr- their goal is to be profitable this year and they realize that the, their AV endeavors has been a hindrance to their profitability goals so they gave it up kind of like uber 
Hmm. Kind of crazy how those companies can just they can operate for for years, and then now is the, the goal for this year is to become profitable. I mean, I don't know. It's very. It's one of those things that just it's kind of how business works here, I guess, and like, you know, how uh, having something invested in your company and then on the promise of it eventually making a profit, so you can have this business that's kind of booming. I mean, you have a lot of you're transacting a lot of business, and yet you aren't really turning a profit. It's kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, on a simple point of view, if you just look at it, yeah, that seems crazy. Like, how are you doing this and not making money? Um, but then if you read the details, okay, yeah, it makes sense why you're not making money because you, your expenses are higher than the revenue. But I don't know. It's just, it is, I, I chuckle a little bit when I hear that. Oh, the goal for this year is to be profitable. Well, great. That's, that's a great goal for business. <laughs> well, I mean, that's also why yeah. you should go into any startup with plan of, like, Okay, for the first two years, we're obviously not going to profit out of this because our overhead was way more than uh, what we're going to have for the year. So. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're just beginning. But I mean, Lyft has has been around now for like many years, um, and not everything. You know, lots of businesses are are successful without being extremely profitable, right? You know, if you have just enough to pay the bills and pay all your employees, and you're not making a ton of extra money, that could still be a good business that supports a lot of people. Yeah. Um, right, so it's, I'm not saying that you know you have to be massively profitable. It's like I just it's just a funny thing to say. It's like oh, well, our goal is to be profitable this year, and I, knowing that they've been around for a long time, I just wonder if it's like is it just difficult for them to find a way, or is it? I wonder what that involves. Is it them trying because they have to manage what the expense of paying their drivers and all that, but and their servers and whatever. Plus, are they just not charging enough to make it realistic? I mean. People are kind of addicted and used to using these services at a certain price. So if they were to raise the prices to become more profitable, would people just kind of grin and bear it and keep using the service? Or would they take fewer rides maybe? I don't know. Yeah, they'd probably switch over to Uber if Lyft is too expensive. Is Uber profitable? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, Uber is just a a tarnished name. Who wants to use Uber? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, my uh, uh, my favorite movie uh, from uh, maybe maybe not one. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, Mizaki uh, movie line is uh, Nasuka Valley of the Wind. Uh, I like the music and just like the whole story. It's pretty simple and but also politically, but like you know, there's always some environmental. Um, statement in it and uh apparently one of the people that animated in the movie is also the creator of evangelion which is uh, something that surprised me he wants to make a live action movie of it i don't know how i feel about that i mean a lot of these live action adaptions of animes don't end up well at all like i can't even think of like Mm -hmm. is there any live action like Animes had actually, like, was it hit? Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, the Full Metal Alchemist wasn't awful. Would you recommend not, it to, like... very much like one of those... It's not like a Hollywood adaptation so much as it is just like a like a live action... I don't know, like, I... If I was going to make one, I would have made it a little differently, but that's just because I'm, I guess, have a Western point of view. But I feel like, for what it was, it's pretty successful. I saw it on Netflix or something. It wasn't... It surprised me that it wasn't awful. But, like... For me, like a good movie of uh, anime adapt- adaptation should both like 
be good as a standalone movie, but also stay true to the roots of the anime and please both the fans and anyone who watched it for the first time because if you don't know the anime like franchise and you watch like a live action that's you'd be like completely confused what's happening, right? So I don't know. Yeah. It's sort, hard sort of like you'd say, I mean I, I kind of agree, but I also think that they lots of you know, for instance, Marvel has been able to do that with comic book movies. Like the majority of people who've seen those movies have not read the comic books, and they still love them. You know, because you make a movie that can stand on its own, but yeah. still pleases a lot of the comic book fans. So it's yeah, not like it's impossible. I mean, there's in the in the history, everybody always says that books are better than the movies that are based on them, but. Um, there are some good adaptations. Maybe it's not common, but I mean, it's definitely possible to get some. I, I, well, I'm sorry, I could argue for a few that I like, but the, the specifics don't matter. Just you know, I think it's definitely possible to turn something into a movie successfully. I just think we don't see it quite as often, or maybe we don't see it here as often. But yeah, it'd be cool. If, I, I've I've thought when I watch uh, Miyazaki movies, I thought, oh, this this scene or this movie would be amazing if you know it'd be really fun to try to make a live action version of this yeah but the only downside is it's like it would have to be it would basically have to be done perfectly or really well exactly. by the right people and then yeah it could be successful but if you don't make it if you don't treat it with very high level of care then yeah i could see it being a mess because you can't you can't tarnish or shit all over the original which is those movies are held in such high esteem by everybody who watches them that the expectations would be would be massive actually massive yeah <laughs> do you Alex do you know of any I know you watch a lot of like um, live action adaptations of like games and stuff is there any like good movies you know of any animated adapted to live action that you thought were good mm, that Monster Hunter one was kind of good but there's some well, maybe based on the characters of the video game, but some of the character designs was kind of cheesy, and but <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Hmm. It's funny. I wouldn't. It wasn't based on an anime, but I know one of the most anim- like one of the most successful movies that looks like an anime is The Matrix. Like if you watch all the scenes from that, like you can tell that the people who made it were super into anime and like just the framing and the shots and the camera movement. And yeah. everything about it is super like anime influenced, even though it wasn't based on one. So, like, I give that an honorable mention because <laughs> it's not based on an anime, really, but it looks like an anime in in live action motion. Totally, all the machinery and crazy things going on. Yeah, and just like kind of, it's it's like hyper real. All everything, the distortion of time, and like the cam- again, the camera movements, and just the characters. It's all everything about like every they're always they're their cloaks are always flowing in the wind and they're jumping through the air and shooting their guns and the camera zooms in on their faces. It's just very, like, it looks, <laughs> looks like an anime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We probably won't see it in a while if they do make it, but if they do make it, I hope it's good. Well, uh, I have an update. Uh, I've been talking about owning your identity somewhat on the internet this is like partially having to do with it it might not be as convenient as um or as functional as what microsoft is pitching but uh i was turned on to this by opera the uh, the web browser they announced that they are um enabling access 
to, uh, I don't know, it's not really new, but kind of. I think it's kind of like an uh, announcement of a collaboration, maybe. But they enabled the access to the interplanetary file system, <laughs> the decentralized internet, and uh, unstoppable domains. So anybody who uses Opera can now look up these uh, domain names with within the interplanetary filing system, and uh, you don't need an extension. People can access these uh, websites with uh, Chrome and Brave, but they need to enable an extension. So Opera is kind of on the cutting edge of um, the decentralized internet. Yeah, Opera's always um, been on the cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, well, there's Opera fanboys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I remember... <laughs> I, I feel bad because I'm of the generation... Like, Opera was, like, big kind of a long time ago, and then, like, every, I, I, I started out using, like, well, a long... The first browser I was, like, passionate about was Firefox back when it's like, oh, I've researched oh, yeah. that. And then it was kind of, like, Chrome or whatever. And Opera just always seemed like a sort of strange redheaded stepchild of like, oh wait, you're still around. And there's always there were Opera fanboys who were like, yeah, Opera's the best. Keep using Opera. <laughs> but I uh, can't claim that I've ever done that. Maybe maybe we should all switch. Maybe that. What are we doing? And then I used to use Opera. It had some cool features. Eh? You would use Opera. Yeah. That wasn't like a fanboy. I was more like a Chromeboy fan. You know. <laughs> yeah. What about what did you use before Chrome? Firefox. Firefox four and five were amazing. Yeah, Firefox real. Dude, <laughs> I remember I just like go to any computer I use. I just like update the Firefox and download all the add-ons I wanted <laughs> before I started trolling. Gorilla, like any gorilla campaign. <laughs> so like, what correctly. are you doing, Trevor? I'm just, just customizing my Firefox. Yeah. You know, adding adding more uh, like what is it those like uh, extensions and bars and stuff so that the the window Chrome just gets bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, and then yeah, like two lines of like screen estate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I looked into uh, unstoppable domains, I found that it's pretty cool because. Uh, it makes uh, the crypto ecosystem a little more convenient. You have a domain that you could tell people to send money to rather than uh, a weird, like, long address or, like, have them scan a QR code or something like that. So that's a little convenient. Um, but one, one question I kind of had for you is that if uh, if I had like a domain name that I could have, I could maybe have like a little blog on or something. Which one do you think would sound better? Would it be uh, Alex and Hicken at or dot crypto or Alex and Hicken dot uh, Zill? 
What was the second one? Zell. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of that. Zell? Yeah, it seems like hmm. crypt, Doc Crypto sounds better than Zell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, okay. I just feel like if you want people to remember it, they'd remember a crypto and be easier for them just because it's a word people know. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. Be- One thing that's cool about this is that you own the domain by uh, NFT. It's a... Uh, yeah. NFT means that there's only one of them. It's a, a token that proves that you own a domain. And that it's also cool because with this uh, NFT, that means that you own the website and you don't have to pay a renewal fee. So, uh, yeah. Um, the dot crypto domains only cost $40 to yeah and the .zill domains cost $20 if you're like getting a obscure um, well it sounds like you get what you pay for yeah <laughs> but yeah um, I think it's an opportunity to own your uh, online identity because you own an NFT of it and um, yeah, I sent him an email asking if there's a way to send email to it, and I was searching the website and I found that they do have an app where you could receive email with the um, domain that you own. So that's, I think that's cool. So you don't have to depend on Google or Yahoo or any other company you could own it yourself but you are depending on uh, unstoppable domains to run the email service I'm kind of wondering if there's another API or something that could do it without depending on them um, yeah there's a quote that says that with the .crypto domain, you can own your digital identity and you could build websites and share content and more. Um, yeah, I think the digital identity would be owning the NFT of your domain name. Uh, I had to figure out how you could own your identity. Because if you have, like, a Yahoo email address, Yahoo is being passed around a bunch of these people and um, these companies, and it's probably not going to go away, (laughs) but you could possibly lose access to your email address if you do something wrong or something. But, uh... Um... With this uh, owning your identity, no one's gonna, no one can take away your email address or anything like that. That's cool. Yeah, I subs- I use Mail.com because Mail is really simple. It's really easy to remember. 
um, and it's not Google, but it is basically Google <laughs> because like they have Google run these services. They, they, no, Google. It's basically a smaller Google. They have the Google like document services and stuff, and the cloud stuff. So it's basically Google, but smaller. Um, I'd rather just own my own domain and own my own online identity. But uh, yeah, for forty dollars just to own forty dollars to own uh, your identity, I think that's pretty affordable. I found uh, this article talks about the LG's last removed product before they announced their. Um, shutting down of the smartphone division. <laughs> it talks about the LG V70. It had the same de- design nice. language as the um, Velvet, which I liked. Nice. Um, cool. Cool little design. Um, it was supposed to have the same as any other current flagship device with the 888 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, uh, and then 128 hertz um, refresh rate for the display and a large battery. Um, I don't know if they're still making it. It says they reportedly plan to make fewer than a thousand units. I don't know, like, if that was before <laughs> they announced to announce like the closure of that. I don't know. At that point, why bother? It's like that's pretty much nothing. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. it'd be like some kind of like legacy thing, like oh, this is the last device you ever make, so. They get limited. Yeah, tell them for like $10,000 each. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see that pop up. I I wish LG would still be around. They had more innovative ideas compared to like Samsung or uh, other brands in the same vein. Yeah, maybe they're too innovative. Yeah, the um, what was that the last one they came out with with the slide out um, screen on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, talking about NFTs, uh, Sega's reportedly going to sell their own NFTs in summer. Um, uh, to me, NFTs are kind of like stamps, it's just like something you collect and it's fun and. They're cool, you get to show it off to some people, but it's digital, so, like, you don't have to worry about losing it, right? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I guess some fans are outraged because they're making NFTs of certain IPs they, like, own, so the IP they have, probably one of the biggest ones they're probably going to sell a lot of is Sonic, and I guess to, to, like, run these servers of a NFT you have to have something that affects big environmentally, like maybe it's like a huge server that has to run like 24-7. So, or maybe it's in satellite, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. But it seems like the fans are like outraged about this, which I thought was really weird because apparently Sonic is about like being good to the environment and stuff. And I never knew that. Mm-hmm. And they call these fans like, oh, wow, this is terrible. Like, this is the opposite of what you should be doing. Sonic is about, like, 
the environment like saving the environment not destroying it and like what does this have to do with anything with nft like it's just like yeah i don't know it's very weird i think this uh this nft environmental thing is kind of dumb because the proof of work is only temporary in a few years it's not gonna it's gonna be so efficient and it's not gonna require like bunch of electricity to um do the what's it called <laughs> the mining or running why is that going to change well with ethereum they're going they're changing to proof of stake um and with bitcoin it'll be the same i don't think anybody has uh the NFT on a, the Bitcoin blockchain. They might, it's kind of, it might be possible, but the Bitcoin blockchain is not really known for it, for having NFTs. Um, yeah, proof of stake is, um, they, they have these people that validate the transactions you don't need to like it is still encrypted and or uh tip it still uses typography <laughs> or uh, cryptography but uh it will require validators to validate the all the transactions and stuff so it requires more uh, stake and stuff rather than the proof of work I have I, <laughs> I don't know how to uh, explain proof of stake very well <laughs> yeah uh, it's cool I guess but uh, I still don't see why I would want to buy one yeah I thought they're complaining about like Sony not Sony um <laughs> Sega selling their assets just on NFTs, just for a craze. <laughs> selling Sonic yeah. or some random character or something. Definitely not. And having to deal with the mess of who owns Sonic or what. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what I have for today. No um, astrophysics, any new black hole news this week oh man yeah I know I'm sorry I'll, I'll have two articles next time how about that <laughs> well thank you Nick for joining us yeah for sure uh, Trevor was wondering if you're gonna have a song out soon yeah just next time like a little before you guys do the next podcast you want me on let me know and I can give you guys something how soon before I, I don't know, a few days. Maybe just give me a little bit of time so I can make sure to get it to you in time. Okay. Nice. Have you mentioned this one or is it a new one? You know, I don't know. I've worked on a couple different things. I mentioned a new one every couple, every time. So I feel like I'll just see kind of what I'm currently working on and, you know, share something that I have. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be a surprise. Surprise. Okay. Yeah, I have to... Uh... 
have the one of these podcasts going to have a friend of ours, Kyler, on, and we want uh, Nick <laughs> with us, but Kyler couldn't make it, so we'll have to. Uh, so all you got was me. Yeah, you know, Nick's always uh, ready to hang out, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're if when Kyler figures out his schedule. I feel like we're more like a team now rather than like one regular guest. So it's kind of fun to have him on. We'll see if he could figure out his schedule. Yeah. So, I'll talk to you later. Hasta luego. <laughs> see you. Bye.